worship. Amen. Well, welcome to the gathering. Welcome everyone watching online. I heard I have a little bit of business to settle this week because Pastor Jordan made fun of me. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So um, let me tell you something about Pastor Jordan. So there are pastors who have a favorite um, passage of scripture. There are pastors that have a favorite phrase they like to say. There's even pastors who have a favorite podium. Not Jordan. Jordan's got a favorite pillow. I kid you not. That is his sleepy time pillow. He goes nighty night with that between his legs. I know too much information. He's back there. I'm hoping you wash that puppy. No? Has it ever been washed? Oh, Lord. So, yeah, so that's his, that's his nighttime pillow. We went up to, uh, to do a getaway uh, vision casting moment in, uh, in Prescott, and he had to bring, bring that with him. So I was quickly snapped a picture. Cannon will be used against you. Y'all ready for the Word of God today? Come on, come on, make some noise for Jesus today. Come on. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm ready to preach the Word of God. He's given me a message, but I, I need some help preaching this. I need a, a large man. Uh, how about... Uh, no, I've already used Sean. Uh, there's, other large, there's other large men in this. Big Trav. Travis, come on up here. Come on. Come on, Travis. Sit next to his mama. Come on. Come on up here, Travis. All right. I need, okay. And I need a small man. This is the part that, that people don't like. Oh, oh Rodell? Rodell? Well, she, she, yeah, come on up here, Rodell. Yeah, Brittany was used last time. Come on up here. He doesn't want to split his pants. All right. I don't blame you because you can't unsee that. So come on up here. I call him Kobe Jr. right here. Looking like Kobe. All right. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want, I want to, this is a little, quick little physics kinesiology lesson. Okay. So, so what I want you to do, come on over here so the cameras can see you. Everyone watching at home, come on over here, Rodell. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to, it's going to sound a little weird, but jump up in his arms and, and you carry him in the cradle position. I carry him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought he was supposed to carry me. No, no, no. Okay, I, 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 I'm going somewhere with this. Someone's going to get saved today. Don't worry, okay? All right, so. so yeah, no, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> and if you split your pants, all for the glory of God, okay? You're buying me. Okay, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, you, you, one way or another, you got to get up there. Okay, all right, all right. All right, everyone get their picture for Instagram and for uh, Facebook. Okay, put them down. Okay, so now here, here's the difference. Now, that, was, that wasn't too tough for a big guy like you, right? Spends a lot of time in the, in the, in the uh, J- weight room and in your mom's fridge. <laughs> Someday you're going to have to pay. Your, that's a whole other story. Um, and so this time, what I want you to do, once you, once you jump up <laughs> into his arms, <laughs> I know it sounds weird. <laughs> But once you jump into the arms, I want you to simulate that you're dead, okay? Because we're going to see how this changes things, okay? So jump up in there real quick, all right? And ready? On the count of three, go floppy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel it? Did you feel it? What happened? What happened? What happened? He got heavy. Okay, put him down. Put him down. (laughs) Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. (laughs) But did you hear what he said? You saw his face. He kind of grimaced, right? And he said, oh, he got heavy. He got heavy. That... Is called dead weight. 
Now, you think, well, what really changed? It's the same body weight. Yeah, but it feels a whole lot different. Basically, what happens is, is when you jump up in someone's arms, you, you are actually, you're still, you still maintain your rigidity. And so you, you keep your center of gravity closer within the base of support. When you go floppy like he did there when he, when he was dead weight, it, it spread it out. And so it got a lot heavier. Here's where I'm going with that. The burden of dead weight is greater on the carrier. Let me say that again. Dead weight creates a greater burden on the carrier. That's true physically, and that's true spiritually. My question for us today is, what dead weight are we carrying? Because dead weight creates a greater burden on the carrier. Maybe it's a dead weight of a memory that you, you can't forget or, or unforgiveness you can't extend to someone. Maybe it's trauma that you can't get past and that trauma is now dictating your trajectory. Maybe it's a habit you can't break. What's, what's your dead weight? What's my dead weight that, that we're carrying today? Genesis chapter 12, we're going to get into God's word. We're going to look at a guy who was carrying some dead weight. And he's a guy that you wouldn't think was carrying dead weight because his name was Abraham. At this time, Genesis 12, he was known as Abram. God would change his name. He's the father of our faith. That's his nickname. How could he be carrying anything other than Jesus? He was carrying some dead weight. So what you might not know about old Abraham is that uh, he, was, he was from a town called Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. It was in southern Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq. And Ur, U-R. Ur was known for their goddess of the moon, Nana. That's who he worshipped. Wait a second. Wait, 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 Pastor John. Father Abraham had many... He worshipped pagan gods. Yeah, we know that from Joshua 24, verse 2. He and his fathers, they were worshiping pagan gods. And so God wanted to extract Abraham out of Ur, but what he really wanted to extract was the Ur out of Abraham. And he wants to do the same for us. And so God calls him, and I know everyone thinks that, you know, Genesis 12, God called him when he was at Haran. No, 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 no. Go read Acts chapter 7. Stephen, before the Sanhedrin, when he was being stoned, right before he was stoned, he, he informs us that he was actually, Abraham was actually called out of Ur. They would make a stop because of the dad decided to stop at Haram, but he was actually called from there. So Genesis chapter 12, they're 600 miles from Ur. They're in Haran. The dad, Terah, dies. He's, Abraham's 75 years old, and he gets the call. Don't tell me you're too old for God to use. He was 75 years old when he got that second call at Haran. God's going to take him on a 1,500-mile walk. That includes the 600 miles from, from uh, Haran to, uh, or from Ur to Haran. But why did he take him on this walk? What's so important about this walk, this 1,500-mile journey? This he wanted to take him to the promised land. But you ready for the nugget? He wanted to take him to the promised land so that he could deal with his problemed land. It's not just about going to the promised land. It's about dealing with the problemed land inside of us. It's called dead weight. 
He was carrying dead weight. And so you know what God said? He said, Abe, we're going on a dead weight walk. That's the name of the message today. Dead weight walk. Put that in the chat. Dead weight walk. Put your boots on because that's what God does. He takes us on a dead weight walk because he loves us enough to help us rid ourselves of some of the dead weight because dead weight creates a greater burden on the carrier. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country. And you notice, by the way, the Lord had said to Abram. Why is it had said? Because he called him at Ur, out of Ur, right? So the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Question, why not just tell him where to go? I believe the answer to that question is in the text. Verse two, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That is the Abrahamic covenant. That is why we support Israel and the nation of Israel because of the Abrahamic covenant. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Hmm, okay. We'll come back to that in a second. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, later becomes Sarah, his nephew, Lot. All the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. Verse eight, from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. Lord, thank you for this long, arduous journey, this long walk you put Abraham on and, you're, and you have so many of us on today. There is a purpose in the dead weight walk. Reveal that to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so God says, go leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's house, leave everything. And so what does he do? He obeys. Mostly. He obeys mostly, but then he takes one little compromise, just one little small compromise. In verse 5, he takes his nephew, Lot. And let me tell you, all hell is about to break loose. Lot causes a lot of drama. He, uh, he, he, number one, he, he causes division. We'll read about in a second. He has to be rescued by an angel of the Lord and by Abraham. And, he has, and his descendants are the Moabites and the Ammonites. The future enemies of Israel came from, you guessed it, Lot. Here's your truth today. Your little leads to your lot. Someone say amen. amen. That's simple and profound, all in the same sentence. Your little leads to your lot. Now, now, here's the thing. We justify our little. I mean, after all, Lot's, Lot was Abraham's nephew, right? So Abraham's brother died, and so Lot didn't have a dad. And so, you know, we heard, you heard the song, 
you're a good, good father. Yeah, right? So I want to be a good, good father. Not if God didn't tell you to do it. If God told you to leave him, you leave him. Would God really do that? Yeah. And God, God has his ways. But see, the, 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 you, your lot didn't start off as a lot. <laughs> it started off as a little. You know, that, that porn addiction. You, did, you didn't start off by watching Pornhub for three hours a day. You start off with a little click or a little glance or a little movie you shouldn't have watched. That, that, that financial drama didn't start off with buying a house you couldn't afford. Oh, no, no. It started off with buying a coffee from Starbucks that you couldn't afford. Starbucks, five bucks, whatever you want to call it. And then it started, then, then it led to a pair of Jordans you couldn't afford. I didn't buy these as a gift. I'm way too cheap. And then, and then maybe it was a car payment you couldn't afford. A little leads to a lot. That you didn't just wake up and, 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 and you were depressed one day. No, no. It's, depression started with, with, with one experience that the, the, the devil was able to manipulate and coerce you into thinking differently about. Like your experience informs your beliefs. Your beliefs inform your decisions. Your decisions inform your results. It all started back with a little experience. A bad experience. And you ended up in a funk because of it. That's why 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul said, we demolish, the word demolish comes from a Greek word, kathreel, which means to execute. We execute arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Because if we don't, look out, because your little will become your thought. Every thought. The decisions, Craig Rochelle said, the decisions we make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. Man, what kind of story do you want to tell? Like, I want to tell a good story. And, and, and when I'm dead and gone, and this church is living on and prospering, I hope they tell a good story about me. But it all starts with the decisions we make today. And I think a lot of us, man, if we're honest, we'd rather just carry our lot. Because it feels like a little in its foundational form. It, it, it feels just like a little, and we're so used to carrying that it doesn't really feel like a lot, even though it is a lot. It doesn't really so much feel like dead weight, and so we just kind of carry it. Do you, do you know what lot means, the name lot? It means to conceal. And I think a lot of times we conceal our lot, our little that's become a lot, rather than dealing with our lot. So as some of you know, I was... Um, I was away, Cindy and I, uh, on a little, uh, you know, kind of pastoral thing where people feed into us, and it was an awesome time. And where we where we were at, there was a uh, there was a beach, and so between sessions, we're going to run down to the beach, right? And so there we were, and, and uh, we were under this little palapa, and you know, just chilling on the beach. And some lady from she was she said she was from Jamaica. Uh, she's she said, you know, can would either you like. To, to a massage, and I know that my wife had slept bad the, the night before. Her neck was hurting her. I said, "Yeah, I'll hire you to, you know, give my wife a massage." So, so there, there she is, underneath the palapa, you know, in her bathing suit, just all kind of spread out, and, and the, this Jamaican woman's just like rubbing her neck and everything. And I thought, and there, there was the beach right there in the background. So I just kind of backed up, and I'm like, and I don't want to capture this, and so I send it. To, to the Lipinski family. We have a thing saved in my phone, Team Lipinski. And so I dial up Team Lipinski. I send the picture and I, and I put in the caption, could be worse. You know, kind of trying to rub it in a little bit. You know how you do that, right? 
That's why they invented Facebook. But I don't always do that on Facebook. I just, I just, I, I localize my, my uh, obsession, you know? So, so there, there was, I sent it, and I'm just getting ready, thinking, oh, man, what, what am I, you know, because it goes with my family, just my family, just my kids. I'm thinking, you know, the, what's their reaction, you know, when they get this text, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, God. That's not Team Lipinski. That's, that's lead team. My leadership team at the church. Oh, God. Oh, no, no, no. I sent the lead team a butt pic of my wife. In first service, she was so worried about me, me, me showing it. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm definitely, I fear for my life. She just got a brand new set of steak knives, okay? Like, I, I, I fear for my life. But the lead team can show it to you. <laughs> Don't do it. So then, for the next, I, there's four more days of this, this conference. And I'm like, you know, do I come clean? Or do I carry my lot? But I'm a pastor. I got to do the right thing. Yeah, you're right. So I carried for the next four days, I carried that lot. Didn't say a word. I carried it thinking, you know what? Maybe, I'll just, maybe I'm going to get away with this. Then she got home, we got home, and Gavin ratted me. He said, Mom, I can't believe Dad sent a butt pic to the lead team. And she said, what? <laughs> yeah, I was in the doghouse for a while this week, so pray for your pastor, please. Um, but isn't that funny how we, we, we do that, though? We, we, we'd rather carry it than just deal with it once and for all. And for those dealing, for those carrying a lot right now, and, and, and you're not alone. There's a whole bunch of us that are, that are carrying our lot. Sometimes God takes you on a dead weight walk to help us deal with our lot. And so you're, you're on a dead weight walk and you're like, okay, God, this is a long trip. Like really, like God says, keep walking. You're doing good. Just keep, I'm, I'm doing something. And then check this out. Then he takes us on a detour. A detour. It's in, it's in the text. Look at verse 10. So they got to, the, they got to uh, Negev. That's uh, actually Negev means dry land. So, but they were there in, in the, uh, in right there by the promised land, kind of right where they were ultimately going to end up anyways. But God says, detour. He does something unexpected. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. There's the detour. Didn't see that coming. Whoa. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, Let, check out what this guy does. This guy's just going to make you feel better about yourself. I know what a beautiful woman you are. That's the good part. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. So he says, say to you, say you are my sister so that I'll be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you, sweetheart. This is the father of faith, the guy that we look up to. It's like, doesn't this give some of us hope, guys? Like, I mean, like I, I am imperfect as they come and it gives me some hope that God can use a guy like him. He could use a guy like me. So when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Seri was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised 
her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham, or Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle and male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife, Sari. I can't wait to heaven to find out what that was. Uh-huh, God's sense of humor. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. Oh, <clears throat> what, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say, oh, she's my sister? <laughs> so that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they, set, they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Do you see what he was carrying? Do you see why? Did you, did you catch that? Why God needed to take a little detour? Yeah, okay, here, like he was in the promised land. Everything's great in the promised land, but he has to take him on a detour to Egypt. Why? Because he was carrying some dead weight. What was that dead weight? Fear, a lack of trust. And so he took him on a detour. Here's, here's the way I want you to look at your detour, okay? Change the way you think about your detour. Your detour is often your detox. Oftentimes, God wants to detoxify us, but to do so, he has to detour us. Ah, I didn't see that one coming. Well, neither did he. I don't like that extra couple hundred miles. Neither did he. (laughs) But God is detouring us to detoxify us from that which never should have been in us. Sometimes God says you can do it the easy way or the hard way, but I love you enough to detour you. And I guess... My question to you after reading that story is, who do, we, who do we trust? Do you trust Pharaoh? Because that's who he was trusting. Do you trust Pharaoh or do you trust your father? You can't have them both. No servant can serve two masters. Do you trust your Pharaoh or do you trust your father? And you say, I don't have a, everyone has a Pharaoh. Every one of us has a Pharaoh. For, for a lot of us, our Pharaoh is our finances. And I can help you ascertain whether your finances is, has become your pharaoh. Do you tithe 10%? If you don't, stop there. A pharaoh, that's become a, a pharaoh. Because the Bible talks about give a tithe, Malachi 3.10, to the storehouse. Oh, but that's Old Testament, John. They don't talk about that in New Testament. Really? Read Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It's easy to remember. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Right? Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you should tithe. Right? You should tithe. We tithe. And here's, the thing, here's why I'm telling you this. Not because God needs your stinking money or we need your money. Listen, from a guy who did it the wrong way, ask her. It was my decision. When we were first married, I didn't, I tipped God. I give God like a 20 here and a 20 there and I felt good about myself. And no wonder we had it messed up. You know, like I wasn't being the man I was supposed to be. No wonder I wasn't being the dad. I was, no wonder I had, I, I was never under that umbrella of blessing, never really under that umbrella of protection until I began tithing. For me, my finances was my Pharaoh. For some people, your Pharaoh might be Facebook. I love social media. Social media is great. No problem. But, but like, has it become a God? Show me your phone. I'll check your screen time, right? Show me your phone and I'll show you your Pharaoh. Because oftentimes our Pharaoh's in our phone. For, for a lot of us, our Pharaoh is, is, uh, is, is Fox News. Oh, I love to watch Fox News. I used to watch Fox News too, back when they would cover everything. 
But, but listen, here's my point. We need to hear the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that God of Israel reigns. I know there's some bad news out there. I know there's some bad reports. But listen, we have the good news. We know how the story ends. We have the hope of Jesus Christ, the resurrected God. Like we need with our feet to take this hope to people. And I thank God for people like Travis. They're in church. How old are you, Travis? 21. If you have a 21-year-old who's not in church, go home to them and say, I love you, sweetheart. Get your butt in church. Get your butt in church. Why? Because we need. We need the next generation. We need to raise champions of Christ. I'm glad you got your, your boy in church. Like, we need that. We need the hope of Jesus Christ. And some of us, I'm, I'm going to get old and crusty, and there's going to be a day when I can't say it anymore. God takes me home. I want to build a church of God where people are raised up in faith and where young champions are raised up to share and to bring the good news of Jesus Christ because it's the only news that's the good news. Amen? Come on. Yeah. And so he takes him on this detour. He takes the father of faith from the promised land so he could falter in the problemed land. Did you catch that? He took him from the promised land so he could falter in the problemed land. Sometimes God takes us to the problem land. Don't look at that as a problem. Look at it as a potential opportunity to grow, a growth moment. Let me say it this way. God takes us from the promised land to the problemed land to make us whole again. That's what God does. Now, I know we'd like to skip go and collect the $200 anyways, Right? We like to skip the, the problem land, but our wholeness oftentimes is predicated on the journey to the problemed land. And that problem land can be a physical place, but often it's metaphorical. It's a place within us that God wants to change. Sometimes God needs to take us on a desert detox. Desert detox. It's funny, um, a year and a half ago, we needed a, someone to help with production. And so we, we said, who can we trust? And uh, so we, we ended up asking Shane to, uh, to be our you know, like production manager, help us with all that, those moving parts and all those elements because we felt like we could really trust this guy. So, but the stage, y'all, it does funny things to people. It really does. When you get up here, which by the way, if you ever want to preach it, come up here and preach a message and see how easy it is, okay? <laughs> you should do this. You should yeah, okay, be careful what you ask for. But... But it does funny things to people because people get up here and they're like, right? And, and, and I would coach worship pastors. I said, one of, as I coached them, I worked at a church in Michigan. I was over several, a bunch of campuses. And I would tell them, one of the greatest things you could do is instead of looking in the front row at the lead pastor and wondering, I wonder what he thinks. Am I doing it right, sir? Lift your chin. Are you okay with this, God? Is this what you want? And that's the greatest thing that will set you free, worship pastors, if you're watching online. That's, it will set you free. And so God was dealing with, with this, uh, with the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And so he was struggling, and he's allowed me to share this story, by the way. He was struggling with the fear of man, the fear of, of, of you all. And so it was like the first week he was, he was doing this, right? And, and he, uh, 
he was actually, Pastor David was preaching and he was supposed to go and get the podium there at the end of the message. And he went a little bit early and we call that a premature podium retraction. That's the technical term. I just made it up. And so he goes to get the podium, realizes, oh dear God, what have I done? And so he literally takes the water cup and tries to play it off in front of 500 people as it, watch the video, watch it, we got it. We'll consider responding. <laughs> okay. All right. You got you to watch it one more time and watch David's face. Watch David's face. Like, what in the heck is going on? <laughs> oh. And if you're wondering why he's leaving the gathering, that's why. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Uh, but it, so, so that became, no, I coined that whole act as the walk of shame. And, and it's really funny, though, because, like, God takes what we think is, is, is a shaming. Like, we, we, sometimes we think God's beaten up on us, right? That God must really be mad at me. God must, I mean, God, really, you would let me do that? I'm trying to serve you, God, and you let me walk in front of all these people. And here's what God does with, with, with our shame. He transforms our walk of, of shame into a walk of shame. Shane's transformed. He's not afraid of y'all anymore. In fact, Shane, can you bring me some water? Give it up for Shane. Look at that. That's it. Shane. Big Shane. That's what God does. Don't look at your detour as uh, debilitating. Look at it as, as God's work, God's... Uh, defining detoxification that we need. So then let's jump to um, chapter 13. It gets really good here. Skipping to chapter 13. And if you have time tonight, read the the chapter 13 in in its entirety. But they they end up leaving Egypt. They go back to where they first built the altar between Bethel and Ai. And then they get some family drama going on. And I know no one can relate to any type of family drama, but they have some family drama, unlike us. And so they uh, basically what happens is Lot and his crew are, start fighting with Abram and his crew. And so Abraham wisely says, okay, it's time to part ways. Lot, you choose what land you want and I'll go wherever you don't choose. And look what happens in verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot parted from him, there's the key, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk the length and the breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. When Lot was gone, the answer came. When Lot was gone, the revelation that he had been praying for finally came. I gave you this point up front. Remember? I said, point three, the absence produces the answer. 
So often we're praying to God. God, you're not answering my prayer. He says, you're not obeying. <laughs> he says, get rid of your lot and you'll get the answer you should have got. And you would have got. But you took lot with you. Once lot was gone. So everyone, everyone reads that passage and I go, go into the land that I'll show you. Oh, God just wanted him to exercise great faith. Maybe. Or maybe it's because you stinking brought Lot. You brought him with you. I was going to tell you, but I'm, I'm, now, now we're going to take, it's going to take a while until you get rid of Lot. See, it changes the way we read that passage. We've been always thinking that, you know, God is just, you know, just, just, I just, I just want to tell you. Well, he, can, he can do that. But I think as I read this and I study the scripture, I'm thinking it was all about what was present. And sometimes that thing needs to be absent for God to drop the answer in your spirit. So parents, you know this truth to be true, right? We raise our kids and we teach them everything because we want them to learn it all in our presence. And I think that's great. You know, Cindy was a homeschool mom and I think that, that that's awesome if you're able to do that and it's not for everyone, but, but being present in your kid's life is for everyone, right? The, no, no question about that. We can all agree there. But friends, I want to tell you, there's some lessons your kids cannot learn in your presence. They go out, Cam, Cam to my man, Cam. How you doing, brother? Remember this guy from uh, Easter? I thought he was high up on stage. It's just the way he talks. I don't think he's ever done a drug in his life. He just talks funny like Beavis and Butthead. Good to see you, my man. But I think sometimes... Our kids have to be out on their own to get the answer. You may have told them the answer, but they didn't, they didn't receive it until they were out on their own. They get these little monthly reminders called an electric bill. <laughs> you know that the, that the uh, neuro, neuro, neuroscientists will tell you that the frontal lobe in the brain is not fully developed. Oh, by the frontal lobe is, is responsible for decision-making, right? Judgment. It's not fully developed until age 25. So if you're having some challenges with your kids, let them go out on their own a little bit. Let them grow up. Let, them, let their frontal lobe develop a bit. That's the reason why you couldn't rent a car until you're age 25. It's true. Now, now some car companies have gone to age 21, but there's a reason for that. Do you know that they charge you? You might know this, Jerry. They, uh, they charge you uh, an extra fee if you're under the age of 25. It's called a stupid fee. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Guys, but they do charge you a fee if you're under age 25. No joke. I was, I was, my, my daughter was in the car the other day and she was arguing with me, telling me something she didn't agree with how I was you know, running the church. Now she's, she's almost 18. She'll be 18 in a couple weeks. And, and, and I was arguing with her. And, and you know what? I said, you know, I refuse to argue because at age 18, do you know that your frontal lobe is only 50% developed? It's true, 50%. I said, I refuse to argue with someone that doesn't have at least 75% of their frontal lobe developed. <laughs> I'm serious. And, and I think we have all these, these enhance, enhancement surgeries. Like, why doesn't someone develop a frontal lobe implant for kids to, make, to expedite the process? Here's what I'm getting at. Sometimes God waits for us to remove that thing in our life. 
And then sometimes God loves us enough to say, oh, sweet child, this is going to hurt a little bit, but I'm going to help remove it for you. Not because I want to punish you, but because I want to prepare you for that which lay ahead. That's exactly how we got the song that we sang earlier, It Is Well. God took the author, Horatio Spafford, on a dead weight walk. He created an absence in his life. You see, the author of It Is Well, Horatio Spafford, was a successful Chicago businessman. He was a husband to his wife, Anna, and a father to four beautiful little girls. Well, in 1873, Horatio would would send his wife and four kids to Europe to uh, help serve the evangelist uh, D.L. Moody as he was putting on an evangelistic campaign. Horatio was planning to join them a few days later, so they went on ahead. Well, on November 22nd at 2 a.m., the ship carrying his family was struck by a Scottish cargo vessel, and that ship sank in 12 minutes. Horatio would spend the next 11 agonizing days waiting to hear the fate of his family. It was on December 2nd that he received a telegraph from Anna. That telegraph read like this, saved alone. His four daughters perished at sea. So he immediately left for Europe to meet up with his wife and it was there on the frigid waters of the Atlantic as the ship passed the very spot that created this absence, the very spot at which his lovely girls died. It was there that he penned the words to the famous hymn that we all know and love, It Is Well. Friends, the absence, albeit tragic, produced an answer produce an answer that we all need to answer, a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Do I believe that you're enough? Do I really believe that you're enough? And I pray God doesn't take my family. But if he did, are you enough? God's a jealous God. He says, put no nothing before me. No other gods. How many know your kids can become a God? And they belong to him. Our worship pastor, David, belongs to God, not me. Well, we know how that question was answered because he answered it for us in the very first verse of his song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever it is, even if it means you taking my kids that were never really mine, they were on loan to me from you, but like whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say through one arduous step at a time. You taught me to say, regardless of what I face, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of the hell that I'm walking through right now, you taught me to say, it is well with my soul. 
What's your absence? I think for a lot of us, our absence is understanding. It's not a physical absence. It's an absence of understanding what the God that we love and serve is up to. Why is this going on? Why are you allowing this? Well, you know, I want to give you opportunity to worship, to respond in worship. We're going to sing this hymn. Shane, come on out here. No, he's not going to sing. Don't worry. We're going to sing. I'm, I'm, here, give me a couple of these mics. Hang on. Let me, let me see. Troy, get up here. Come on up here. I don't, come on, come on up here, Troy. Um, Jana, come up here. Come on. So we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing it together. Now, this is not rehearsed. We didn't practice this. Did I tell you you were coming up here? No, that's why you're shaking like a dog. Come on. Here you go. Come on up here. Let's go. Come on, come over here. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this. We're going to worship. We're going to sing it. You remember how the original form, right? You remember how it goes? You're a church rat. You're a PK. You're brought up in church. Come on, girl. You know this. So, um... You got them? Wait. All right, she's in the... I want you to join in if you know this song. Some of you young people are like, you have no clue. But I want you to stand up, stand with me. Let's, let's show God some reverence. And we're going to sing this. Jordan, I want you to sing this. And you know what? You can lift your hands because you might be walking through hell right now. You might be walking through a dry and desert land and God's got you exactly where he wants you. And he's wondering if you're going to say, it is well or it is hell. lot of us, we tell God it's hell. And he says, no, no, it is well, but we got to walk through it. Let's sing. Ready? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like done it is well it is well so get those boots on because when you walk up out of here the world's coming for you the enemy's coming for you he hates what's going on right here he hates when men lead their family he hates when women become the woman of god you you were created he hates that he doesn't like it and so he, he's coming for you but first john 4 for greater is he that's in you than he is in the world so when you go walking you remember who you're walking with you remember who walks beside you who will never leave you. He'll never sell you out. He'll never forsake you. You're walking with God. And I know it's tough. And I know you're going through it. And I know it's, there's days where you're like, God, what are you doing? God wants you, God, God wants me to deliver this message. Keep walking. You want a word from the God? Keep walking. Keep walking. Oh, that's too simple. No, it's not. 
keep walking. Put one foot in front of the other and you keep walking, trusting that God is doing a great thing. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to understand it. Neither could he, neither could Abram, but he kept walking. And so today, a couple thousand years, 3,000 years later, we call him the father of faith. That guy, what did he do that was so special? I'll tell you what he did. He kept walking. He took the next step and became a man of God. Oh man, I pray you keep walking this week. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, Lord, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for the cleansing, the detoxification that you're doing. God, we came encumbered. We came heavy and we're gonna leave light, God, because we're leaving it. And some of it may be shaken off post today. Maybe some of it happens after today. Maybe it happens this week. Maybe it happens this month. Maybe it happens this year. But God, you want to free us up. And so I pray that we would put our boots on and we would walk and walk and walk and be faithful to take the very next step, knowing that you are doing something in that next step. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus and you want to make him your Lord, whether you're watching online or you're here in person today, you want to know Jesus, just pray a prayer like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me for my mistakes. Thank you for seeing greatness in me. Thank you for not giving up on me. I need you more than I need my next breath. And so today I make you, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. From this moment on, I exist for your purpose, not my own. I'm your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome him to the family of God. Come on. Yeah. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Listen, if you, are, if you have a prayer need, we have our pastors, we have our prayer team, we have some great people up here. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to journey with you. You are not alone. You have family. And as you leave from, from this place, go celebrating, putting them boots on, ready to do that next step. Amen? God bless you guys. Have a great week.